The, the reading is from um, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received the faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through, that, these, that, through these he has given us a very great and precious promise, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, the knowledge self-control, the self-control perseverance, and the perseverance godliness, and the godliness brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being effective, keep you from being ineffective and are unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome for the into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth, and you now have, and, and you have, now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of this body, because I know that I will soon be put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And it will make me, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Amen. Father, we give you thanks for your word this morning, the words of encouragement to us through the Apostle Peter. Help us to be transformed and changed by your word and what you're doing in our lives. Help us to accept the struggles and the difficulties, wrestle with them, grapple with them. But Father, know that through them, you are refining us and helping us to grow. Father, help me to speak clearly from your word this morning. And may my words be an encouragement to your people. Amen. So I'm going to ask you the question, have you ever talked to someone close to death? Now, back in 2008, uh, my wife, Kelly, and I, we were going to go on the trip of a lifetime. We are going to go to Dubai, to Italy, to Paris, to London, throughout the UK and over into Ireland before coming home. We'd spent a fair bit of time uh, sitting around the coffee table on Saturday mornings, just talking with my mum and dad about you know, some of the places we could see and visit. It was part of that planning that was really exciting. Um, and the day before we flew out, I actually went and sat with my dad. And he, he was dying. Um, he had uh, a type of cancer. Um, 
in my mind, I thought dad was going to be stubborn enough to hang on long enough that we could go on the trip and make it all the way home, that Kel and I could get to, to travel the world and then come back and, and share our experiences with him. Uh, but I'm certain, though, that dad knew that this was actually our last time together. Looking back, I think that instead of being stubborn enough to hold on until we got back, he was probably stubborn enough to hold on until we left. We flew out and were too far away to turn around and come straight back. As Dad and I sat in the lounge room and, and talked, all that trivial stuff, it just got pushed aside. The, the things that you normally talk about, that idle chit-chat, it, it just got stripped away. And we just got back to what was really important between us, the thing he wanted me to remember. And just like my dad in that conversation, Peter's doing the same thing in this letter. He knows that he's going to die soon. He's going to put off the tent of his body and he's going to die. In verses 12 to 15, uh, Peter tells us some of the reasons that he's writing. He tells us that he knows that his death is near. He knows that he's going to die soon. He probably knows that it's also going to be a particularly nasty death. This letter is possibly Peter's last chance to encourage other believers, to share with them some of the important truths that they should know and remember. The opportunity to send a message to them that will continue to stir them up long after he's dead. He's saying, think of me. Remember the things that I'm telling you. Remember that it's because of these truths that I'm actually going to be put to death. Peter, like my dad, strips away all of the idle talk and sticks to what's important. Peter is coming back to some of the basics to remind the readers things that should be important to them, to remind them some of the things they learned as baby Christians, like we saw this morning with the little peacocks, to remind them that as a baby follower of Jesus, they learned these things and there's still important things to learn. So the three things that we're going to see today in verses one to four, Peter is going to remind us who we are. In verses five to nine, Peter's going to remind us how we should live in light of who we are. And lastly, Peter wants us to remember. Remember the reward that awaits us in verses 10 to 11. So the first thing that Peter wants us to remember is who we are. And who am I is probably one of the biggest questions that we all face. People ask the question all the time. They go to family trees, to all of those websites and ancestry.com, scouring through, tracking back the, the family tree going as far back as possible. And hopefully, if, if it's really good, you'll find someone famous, someone exciting in, in the past. Um, all these websites, it's just amazing, the resources to tell you about your ancestry. You can now even go and get the DNA test, which will tell you all about your DNA types and everything. But all of this tells you where you came from. It doesn't tell you who you are. I just wonder, have you asked yourself lately, who am I? 
And Peter's setting up his readers. That's including us. The readers of this letter reminding them some of these key truths. And part of that is who they are. In his greeting, Peter reminds us that our faith is valuable. It's precious. Our faith, he says, is equal to his own in verse 1. He reminds us that we have been given a valuable, precious faith, that our faith is as valuable and precious as Peter's very own. That's Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, one of the inner circle, the guy that Jesus says to Peter, you will be the rock on which I build my church. Your faith, your faith is as precious as that of Peter's. But before we get too puffed up and carried away about how exciting that is and how important our faith must be, we need to go back and read all of verse 1 and read what Peter tells us about himself. Read us about how he views himself. Peter, a servant of Jesus. Peter, I'm a slave to Jesus. He's not making a big claim about his value. He's not telling us how fantastic he is, but rather he is humbling himself. And he, like us, has obtained faith, not through anything of his own efforts, but because of the great gift, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's how he has obtained faith, through Jesus' own righteousness. In this passage, the word knowledge appears five times. Uh, in verses 2, 3, and 8, it's what I'm going to be calling capital K knowledge, something big and different. It's, it's knowledge of who we know or who we have been granted knowledge of, and that is our God and Saviour, Jesus. And then there's lowercase k, which is in verses 5 and 6, which we'll get to in just a moment. It's through being given faith that we can have, as verse 2 tells us, grace and peace. And it's ours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Verse 3, also a capital K knowledge. It adds more details to some of this introductory piece, these introductory verses. And this knowledge isn't something that you can lock yourself into a room. It's not something where you can grab some of these big heavy books and just cram it in and, and learn. All of that book knowledge is lowercase k, that little k knowledge. So the theology books, it, it's great. Being able to memorise Bible verses and, and read the Bible and remember the Bible, that's great. But that's still just lower k, little k knowledge. It's fantastic, but without that big K knowledge of God, it doesn't mean anything. Big K knowledge, the gift that we get to know God, the creator of the universe in person. And it's a great gift that carries great promises with it. This big K knowledge, this capital K knowledge, gives us the promises and assurances of faith and life eternal. 
It's through this great gift, these great promises, that we become, as Peter tells us, partakers in the divine nature. Now, again, we don't start to think more highly of ourselves than we should. This isn't us becoming God, but rather us growing and maturing. We've been given the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You've been granted eternal life. And that's through the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Son, who've been gifted a relationship with God the Father. Now, I don't know where all of you are in your faith journey. Um, I don't know if you're believers or not. But this great gift, it's something to treasure. As believers, we are saved. If you're not yet a believer, though, talk to Anthony. Spend time with him. Ask some questions about what faith in Jesus looks like. As a believer, we've been saved from what? Well, Peter tells us the corruption of the world, the, the destructiveness of our sinful desires. We are told that we become partakers of that divine nature's Again, we don't become God, but we become more like him. Our nature changes as we grow to become more like Jesus. So who are you? As, you, as a believer, you are someone who has been rescued by God. You've been given a precious and priceless faith. You have received eternal life. What a great gift. Your identity is that of a saved servant adopted into the family through Jesus Christ. And so what? What do you do with that? And I'm sure most of you could respond with a lot of things. You could say, well, we turn up to church on Sunday. We, we join in the, the Zoom sessions. Um, we go to Bible studies. We help out at church. We, we do a lot of different things with what we're saved. Of course we're saved. But that's all. Sorry. Um, yeah, that, that, that's an amazing thing, being able to, to come to church, to be able to read the Bible, to join in Bible studies groups, to help out at church. That's fantastic. So that's some of the things that you're doing with what you've been given. Kelly and I, we came along to Bible college and quite often we were asked about why we came to Bible college. And some of it's definitely to, to learn some of that little K knowledge, uh, the, the big book knowledge. But some of it, most of it really, is about growing in that capital K knowledge, that relationship with God, that relationship with Jesus. Coming to Bible college doesn't make me special or important. It's just something different. If I wasn't growing in my capital K knowledge of God before coming to Bible college, I'm pretty certain that I wouldn't be growing in my capital K knowledge while I'm at Bible college. So that can be the same for people at church. You can sit there and continue to grow in lowercase k knowledge, but you've also got the opportunity to grow in capital K knowledge. 
So our next section carries on with that. In light of who we are and what we've been given, how do we live that out? And that's looking at verses 5 to 9. For this very reason, for what you have been given, for what Jesus has done in verses 1 to 4, Peter tells us how we should live out our lives. And it's not, a, oh, by the way, perhaps, or, you know, you can do this if you want. But what does he say? Make every effort to add to your faith, to grow. Now, back in Exodus and Deuteronomy, just before God gives out the Ten Commandments to Moses, he says this. I'm looking at the Deuteronomy passage. He tells Moses and the, the people of Israel this, I am your Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Before the Israelites were given the laws, they were reminded about the relationship that they were already in. I am your God. I rescued you out of slavery in Egypt. The laws weren't given to bring them into a relationship. They were already in that relationship. The laws were there to show them how to live out a life in response to that relationship that they were in. In verse 5, like the Israelites at Sinai, were told for this very reason, because what God has done for you, because what God has granted you, this is how you should live in light of what we have been given, we are to be effective and fruitful. We need to be growing in faith. Now, back home, just over there, we've got uh, some things stuck on the fridge. It's a list of our, for our kids to follow, um, lists for our girls to do each morning before they head off to school. You can see them there on the screen. Now, some of these uh, you don't need to do before the other, but some you do. So it's, it's really handy to brush your teeth after you've had breakfast. But mostly there's no requirement to fully complete one task before you move on to the next or even do them in specific orders. Now, there are times, though, that we have to tell the girls it's okay not to follow the order that it's been written in. And, you know, my girls look at it most of the time and they, they do follow it exactly. But every now and again, emotions do run a little bit high. Um, frustrations can boil over, particularly if they're asked to brush their hair before brushing their teeth or putting on their shoes. But one thing is clear, nothing on this list actually gets them into school. They're already in. They're already set. These things just help them be prepared. And here in verses 5 to 7, Peter's giving us a nice little list of seven things, seven desirable qualities to add to your faith. He tells us that if you have these things and you add them to your faith, then you'll be effective and productive. We too will be prepared. Faith is the foundation for everything that is done here. So what does he say? Add to your faith goodness and goodness knowledge, 
knowledge, self-control, self-control with perseverance, perseverance with godliness, godliness with mutual affection, and mutual affection with love. Like this list that my girls follow, you don't have to achieve one in order to move on to the next. The way that Peter's viewing it is these things help to prepare us to make us more effective in our faith. So are you growing? Is your faith increasing? If, however, you're not, then you're probably going backwards. If you're not adding these things to your faith and growing in them, your faith is probably going backwards. Now, the, the Lachlan River back in Forbes, it's usually fairly slow moving, and if you're a capable swimmer, you can actually swim against it, swim against the current. But as soon as you stop to tread water, you're just going to get pushed along with the current. And I think that's the kind of image that Peter's got going through his head here. He's trying to tell us that as Christians, we're swimming against the current. We're continually up against what the world is doing and telling us. So we need to continually to work to add to our faith. Or we too might get caught up in that current and just pushed along with the popular, with what's going on in the day rather than what's right and true. We just get pushed along with the current of a worldly life. So as we continue to grow, Peter wants us to make every effort to do these seven things. And again, well, it's not to earn our salvation. We need to make that clear. We already have our salvation. But it's because of the precious gift that we have been given. I've divided this list into to two portions, the, the internal and the external. And the, the difference is, is just slight and subtle. The internal affects us and how we live, and the external is how we show care for others. And I'm not going to stand here and give you a list of generic actions for each of these things. I'm not going to say, here's what you need to do for this or that. But I am going to ask you to put a bookmark here in your Bible in this passage. Come back to this list and pray over it. Look at it. If you're particularly brave, can I encourage you to sit down with a friend, someone that knows you well and knows you well enough to, to actually challenge you on a few things. Work through this list with a friend. Do a reality check. Meet with them. Look at this list. Pray over areas that you're struggling and be honest about it. And be prepared to be challenged by a friend about how you're living some of this out. Don't be afraid to challenge each other on these things. It's a good thing to do to challenge each other. Goodness or virtue, excellence of character. Now, goodness isn't an attempt to be seen as being better than someone else, but rather to, to live humbly, live out a life of good character and give glory to God. Knowledge, this is back to that lower K knowledge. It's still very important. It's the study of God's word. It's grappling with it and trying to understand it better digging into the riches of the truth that we're given. Dig deep and be challenged with what the Bible is teaching. Something that's really helped me over the past few years particularly is trying to 
remember or work out who the passage was actually written to. What were they going through? And it gives me some of the ideas to, to why this particular passage was written and why it's in the Bible. And that helps me understand a little bit deeper. Self-control or self-discipline. Now, self-control issues come in all manner and shapes and sizes. Um, there, there's lots of different things out there that you can rattle off. C.S. Lewis actually confessed his uh, weakness. It was a lust for food. And maybe you share that lust for, for fine foods. Or perhaps it's something else that you lust after. It, it could be some of the latest trends or it could be just a lust for nice things. Self-control. Now, on to perseverance. Perseverance, pressing on, going towards the goal, enduring, moving forwards despite setbacks and opposition, making sure that you keep your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus and pressing on towards him. Godliness, living a life that not only gives God the glory, but a life that also submits to God in obedience. So those were the inward things, the things that supplement our faith and our own personal growth. The last two, the working out of it, the external, the outward impact and how we treat other people. So we've got mutual affection. This is called multiple different things. It's, it's brotherly love, mutual affection. Uh, brotherly affection, depending on what Bible verse you're, or Bible translation you're actually looking at. And hopefully this one's easy for you to, to think about and remember. How are we showing love to each other as fellow Christians? Now, perhaps because you know, we haven't been in, in churches for a while, it's a bit harder to remember that warm welcome as you come through the doors of the church building. That's just the tip of real genuine fellowship. And real mutual affection, how we care for each other and look after each other, how we treat each other well. But sadly, though, I'm sure that most of us have seen behaviour in churches that makes us cringe, makes us wonder, is that person even a Christian? Or is it even worse than seeing that other person? Is it? Noticing things in ourselves. Is it us that's guilty of that behaviour? And finally, love. Genuine, deep care for someone. Placing their needs, physical, spiritual and emotional, before your very own. Now, I was recently listening to some testimonies. A few of us were just standing around one night talking. And the common thing across the testimonies were the absolute amazement of a non-Christian seeing the way that Christians behave. The behaviour was different. It was, it was something strange but attractive. It was that these people actually cared about each other and other people. The behaviour that was a result of living out a manner worthy of the gospel, living out a life similar to what Peter's outlining here. The result, 
genuine love that flowed out from people and helped them share the truth of the gospel. Your identity may be as a saved servant of Jesus Christ, but how do you measure up? How are you living that out? People may know that you go to church on a Sunday, but aside from that, if they looked at your life and your behaviour, would they see something different? Now, if they don't, Peter's giving us a, a very subtle warning. Are you blind? If you're not living out your faith, if you're nearsighted, you're blind. Like, can't you see what Jesus has done for you? If we cannot see what we have been granted by our Lord and Saviour, if we have forgotten that we've been rescued from sin and the corruption of the world, something needs to change. So Peter puts the challenge before you today. You may be coming to church and hearing a lot of really good things from the Bible. Good things are great, but are they actually growing you in your faith? Are you becoming more fruitful? Are you genuinely living like a Christian? Is the focus of what you're doing on Jesus? Or is the focus on yourself? If your focus is not on Jesus, there's time to step back and pray, to focus. Putting your focus back on Jesus, to going deeper and gaining a knowledge of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. If you're struggling, talk with someone, pray. This is the message that Peter is executed for, that he willingly died for. Your identity is that of a saved servant of Jesus Christ. And your purpose is to grow in faith, to be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And our third point this morning is remember. Remember your reward in verses 10 and 11. You are a saved servant of Jesus Christ and you need to live it out. Your actions and your work don't earn your salvation, but as followers of Jesus Christ, your salvation is a precious gift obtained to you by him upon the cross. It was bought for you at a great price. And for this reason, be diligent to live a life that confirms your election. Just like the Israelites, your God has rescued you from slavery. Live in a manner that shows that relationship. By living a life that shows that you have been rescued, you'll no doubt be a light to others. Like the people mentioned just briefly in those testimonies before. Peter tells us that if we're doing these things, we will not stumble along the path and fall but we will make it to our destination. We will receive our reward. And he tells us quite clearly in verse 11, a rich welcome to the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So that day on the couch with my dad, that day before I flew out, that was the last time I saw my dad, the last time that we spoke. And I remember the things that we spoke of, the things that were important to us. All of that trivial idle talk was stripped away. And like that final conversation with Dad, Peter wants us to remember the important things. 
He wants us to remember that you are a saved servant of Jesus Christ. You have been bought at great price. Remember, as a saved servant of Jesus, how you should live out the life that you've been given. And remember the rich welcome that awaits you in the eternal kingdom. Can I urge you today to remember what Peter has been telling us? To live a life that shows that you have been rescued by God a God that loves you deeply. Live it out so others can see. Live it out. Live it and know that you've been given a great gift, the salvation from the corruption of the world. Live a life worthy of the reward that you've been given, entrance to the eternal kingdom. Remember, as a saved servant of Jesus Christ, you have been given much. If you're not certain where you stand, though, if you don't know what your relationship with God truly is, if you're unsure of your faith, make some time to talk to Anthony, ask questions and find out more about Jesus and the gifts that he brings and the peace that he gives. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we give you thanks for this day. Help us, Father, as we go about our day to remember the good things that you teach us and help us to grow in our faith. <coughs> help us to live out our faith well and to be open to the challenges of those who care about us and help us to grow in the knowledge of you, Lord. But, Father, we pray that you will help us to live in a manner worthy of the gospel, a manner that brings you glory and shines your light into the world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.